Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. The Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 6 and verses 6 to 10. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become wary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we continue our series through the book of Galatians entitled Freedom in Jesus, where we're looking at at Galatians chapter 6 and verses 6 to 10, which is all about sowing and reaping, reaping what you've sown. Now there's a story of of a young boy who loved to climb and to play in this old fruit tree in his back garden. But one day his father came to him and said that he was going to chop down the old fruit tree because it hasn't, hadn't been born any fruit in years. The young boy was devastated. This was his, his favorite tree and he loved to play in his tree. So he was completely devastated. And he came up with a very cunning plan. He snuck into his neighbor's garden and stole some apples off his neighbor's tree And then he tied the apples onto his tree. The next morning when his dad went outside, he was amazed. The old fruit tree had borne apples overnight. And then his father went back inside to tell everyone what had happened. The little boy was pretending to be all surprised. Wow, apples overnight. And then his father said, you you won't believe what the most amazing thing is. It's a pear tree. (laughs) Oops. You see, it's impossible for a pear tree to produce apples. For what you sow is what you will reap. And this is the whole point that Paul is making in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What you've sown is what you will reap. I mean, if a, if a farmer has sown wheat seeds, he's planted wheat seeds, he can expect to get to harvest wheat, <laughs> to, to reap wheat. If not, there would be complete chaos. Imagine the farmer's just, just sowing his seeds and he's saying, well, well, I don't know what it's going to produce. I, I'm just waiting to see what pops up. I mean, that would be crazy. You will reap whatever you've sown. And so where's Paul going with this agricultural metaphor? He, he says in verse 8, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so what Paul is essentially saying is we've all got these seeds. And these seeds are are our time, our energy, our money, our expertise. We've all got these seeds. And you've got two choices where you want to sow your seeds. You can either sow your seed, invest your time and your energy and your money into the field of the flesh or into the field 
of the Spirit. Okay, so it's getting a bit confusing. What is Paul talking about when he talks about the flesh and the Spirit? Well, as a follower of Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. But we still have our same old flesh, our same body and our same mind that seems to be pre-programmed, hardwired, predisposed towards selfishness. The desire to please and gratify ourselves. And so when Paul refers to the flesh, he's talking about selfish, self-centered cravings and greed, which every human has. And we can see how this is in complete opposition to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants us to selflessly love God and to love other people. The Holy Spirit wants us to be selfless, to humbly love and serve other people just as Jesus humbly served and loved us. And so within every follower of Jesus, there's this conflict between the cravings of the flesh, the selfish cravings of the flesh, and the selfless desires of the Spirit. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 19 to 21 that the acts of the flesh, that's the, the, the consequence of sowing your seeds in the field of the flesh, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the alike. These are the very real consequences of sowing your seeds in the field of the flesh. And it's a horrible list. Conversely, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, that's the consequence of sowing your seed in the, in the Spirit, in the field of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so Paul is asking, which field are you going to sow your seeds in? Where are you going to invest your time, your energy, and your money? Are you going to invest in the cravings of the flesh or the selfless desires of the Spirit? Now, don't deceive yourself. If you are constantly sowing the seeds of selfishness and greed, if you are constantly sowing the seed of hatred, jealousy, and anger, if you constantly sow in the seed of selfish ambition and envy, if you constantly sow in the seed of sexual immorality and, and pornography, don't be surprised if this leads to a breakdown in relationships. Don't be surprised if you end up, if people end up not liking you. Because you will reap what you've sown. See, you can't expect. God, to give you love, joy, peace, and patience if you are sowing the seeds of jealousy, hatred, and envy. You can't expect God to give you apples if you sow in pear seeds. You will reap what you've sown. Now, see, some people deceive themselves because the seeds take such a long time to grow. It takes us a long time for the fruit to actually appear. And, and, and so they will say, well, you know, it's fine to be selfish, to be greedy. It's okay to, 
to hold grudges and have an unforgiving spirit, you'll be okay. In fact, I've been doing this and it's rather pleasurable. I've been selfish and I've been greedy, and guess what? It feels great. But you will reap what you've sown. Not immediately, but gradually. And eventually, that seed will grow and bear fruit. And if all you've been sowing is to please yourself and to gratify your own selfish desires, Paul says that that will lead to destruction. Now, that doesn't mean that God's going to suddenly strike you with a lightning bolt. It's not like God says, well, if you do that, I'm going to get you. No. This is your seed growing and coming to fruition. This is a very organic result. This is the natural consequence of sowing a seed of selfishness, is that eventually it will grow and will bear fruit and leads to destruction. Of course, initially, it might feel great. You, know, you, you hate someone, you're holding a grudge, you're not forgiving them. It can feel great initially as you start thinking about all the ways you can get them back and all the horrible things they can have. It can be quite satisfying. But eventually, it will destroy you. If you're constantly sowing the seed of, uh, of selfish ambition, of, of, of just trying to please yourself, if, you, if you're constantly sowing the seed uh, of just self-gratification, if you're constantly turning your back on God and doing things your way rather than God's way, eventually it will lead, it will destroy your relationships with other people, it will destroy your relationship with God, and ultimately it will destroy you. You will reap what you've sown. How exactly do we sow our seeds? Well, it's all about, firstly, what, what your thoughts. What are you constantly thinking about? What are you feeding your mind with? Is it always jealousy, envy, selfish ambition, greed, wanting more? Or are you feeding your mind with loving thoughts, helping others? Thoughts about pleasing God. It includes our goals. What are your goals in life? Is your goal simply to be famous, rich, and powerful, to be first? Or is your goal to please God and to help others and love others, to do what is good and to do what is right? And it includes our actions. What are we actually doing? How, well, how do we actually spend our time and our money and our energy and our expertise? Where, where are we investing in? Are we merely investing in ourselves and our own pleasure? Or are we also helping others? Are we being generous? Are we looking out for the poor and the oppressed? Are we making time for God? Are we investing in our relationship with God? Are we reading our Bible and praying? Are we coming to church and meeting with other Christians to encourage and pray for each other? As the old saying says, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. And Paul says if we continually sow in the seed of selfishness and self-pleasure and self-gratification, it leads to destruction, disintegration. But if we sow a seed to please the Spirit, to please God and to love other people, it leads to eternal life. 
And eternal life starts now. Starts as soon as you put your faith in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, and as you sow seeds to the Spirit, it leads to the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it leads to the ultimate harvest of eternal life with God forever. And so we have a choice. Where are we going to sow our seed? Where are we going to invest? Because we get to choose our character and our destiny. Now, as a follower of Jesus, we, we don't do this in our own strength. As a follower of Jesus, sowing to please the Spirit is not just about obeying another rule. As if it's a law. As if it's like the law of Moses or some other law code. Now I've got to do this as well. No, is it about just trying really, really, really hard not to be selfish? Because you can't do that anyhow. As a follower of Jesus, the way we sow to please the Spirit is firstly by admitting we are selfish and asking for forgiveness. And then it's, it's receiving God's forgiveness and love, allowing God by His Holy Spirit to pour His love and His forgiveness into us. And when we receive the love of God in our life, it transforms you. It changes you from the inside out. You become a new creation. You get a new heart. You see, if you merely try to obey rules, you merely try to be a good moral person, at best you're going to have the outward appearance of being nice. You won't have a new heart. You're merely going to restrain your heart. You're merely suppressing all that greed and that selfishness within your heart. That's why so often we get shocked when someone we know, someone who is very moral, very good, an upright citizen, suddenly does something incredibly stupid, like having an affair or getting caught in some financial scandal. The problem is their heart hasn't changed. They've merely restrained their heart. They've suppressed their heart. They've suppressed all that selfishness and all that greed by, by merely trying to obey rules and some moral code. They merely had this outward appearance of being nice, but their heart hasn't changed. And if you do that, it's only going to take time before some temptation comes along and knocks you flat on your back. Because your heart hasn't changed. The only thing that can change your heart is the love of God. Only when, the, when you realize how much God loves you, that He died for you because He wants a relationship with you, because he's got, a, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life, it's only when you realize and receive that love into your life that it transforms you, it changes you from the inside out. You become new. See, we don't want to be nice. We need to be new. We don't just want to restrain our heart. We need, a, we need to, a changed heart. We don't just want moral reformation. We need spiritual transformation. Paul continues in verse 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. 
Do you often feel weary? You know, we often become so weary in doing good. One of the reasons why we always feel so weary is because we live in an instant culture. We want instant internet access. We want to lose a stone in one week, great abs in one session. And if we don't get instant results immediately, we throw in the towel, we lift our arms up, and we give up. Are you feeling weary, perhaps? Perhaps you've, you, you, you've been trying church. You, you've come to church a couple of times. You, you've been reading your Bible and praying once or twice, and you don't see any results. There hasn't been any change, and, and it's hard work, and so you feel like giving up. You think, well, you know, I might as well just be sowing to the flesh. At least they seem to be having a good time. This is hard work. Perhaps you've been working on a relationship, loving someone, forgiving them, but the relationship's still broken. You're just becoming tired, tired of of their ungratefulness. Perhaps you've been carrying someone else's burden and load, and you've been carrying it for so long, but there still seems to be no change. And you're tired. You want to give up. Perhaps you've been working to stop some social injustice or to end some poverty issue, but now you're just becoming overwhelmed by the need and, you, and you're tired and you, you want to give up. And we need to hear what Paul says. He says, For at the proper time you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's a promise. We will reap a harvest. There will be a harvest. But it says, at the proper time. That means it's not our time, it's God's time. It's in the right season. The farmer works hard, he plows, he sows, he waters, and then he waits for the right season for the fruit to appear. It doesn't appear immediately. So don't give up. That would be crazy. Imagine if a farmer, he's worked hard, he's plowed, he's sowed, he's watered, and he goes, hmm. Can't see any fruit. I'm out of here. That'll be crazy. Don't give up. There's a promise. You will reap a harvest at a proper time. Now, we're not told when the proper time will be. It could be soon. It could be in a couple of years. It might even be after you've died. We're experiencing a lot of blessings today because of people's hard, selfless work generations before. Your children and your grandchildren might be the ones to reap the harvest. Nor are we told exactly what the harvest will be. It will probably include include comfort and relief for whoever you've been loving and helping. It may even include someone coming to faith in Jesus, who you've been praying for. It will definitely include you growing closer to God and knowing Him more intimately. And ultimately, it will include Jesus welcoming you into your eternal home by saying, well done, good and faithful servant. I am pleased with you. How do we respond to that? Well, Paul gives us a suggestion in verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, and there will be many opportunities, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. 
All people. There's no discrimination. All people from all nationalities, all racial groups, all ethnic groups, all people. That's why we as a church here welcome all people. And that's why we as a church support many charities. Charities working locally like Seven Corners and Food Bank and and, uh, the Baptist Home Mission. And we support many charities working Globally, helping the disadvantaged like Christian Aid and and BMS and so on. It's one way that we as a church can invest in eternal things. So can I encourage you to support charities financially? Because it's a way of sowing to the Spirit. It's a way of investing in eternal things. Another way we can invest in eternal things is by supporting the church financially. Paul says in verse 6, Nevertheless, The one who receives instruction in the Word, that's the Word of God, the good news about Jesus, should share all good things with their instructor. So those who are receiving regular good Bible teaching should uh, share all good things with their instructor, their teacher. That primarily is is talking about uh, financial support, but it's also other material support. Uh, And the word translated share uh, has the connotation of a partnership. This is the way that we partner together in doing and investing in eternal things. And so today, the way we do that is by supporting the church financially as our way of partnering together to invest in eternal things. What I find interesting is that Paul says at the end, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That's referring to the church, fellow fellow believers. You see, charity needs to start at home. It mustn't end yet. It needs to go out, but it's got to start here. We need to be a community that, that truly loves each other, cares for each other, and carries each other's burdens. Sometimes it's easier to love people far away in another country because the people close to us rub us up the wrong way, and it's sometimes difficult. But we need to be a community that forgives, that loves, and does good to all people. So charity needs to start at home, but it mustn't end here. It needs to go out to all people. And that's how we invest in eternal things. When a person's on their deathbed, it's very revealing what is truly important to them, what is truly important in life. When a person person is lying on their, their deathbed, in all my experience, I've never experienced anyone say, could you please get all my trophies? And just put all my trophies around my bed. I just want to see all my trophies. Could you please get all my money? Could you you just spread my money over my blanket? I just want to have all my money. I just want to see it. Could you you get my CV? Could Could you read my CV to me? I just want to hear all my achievements once again. No one ever says that. I say, can you call my friends, my family, my loved ones. Can you read the Bible to me? Can you pray with me? That's what's really important in life. That's how we invest in eternal things. That's how we sow to the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this timely reminder. We live in such a, in a world that is so instant-focused, 
in a, such a consumerist society where we think the only way we can be truly fulfilled is by greed. And Father, you show us that the true way to true fulfillment is through selfless love, investing in other people, in our relationship with you. And so, Father, we, we ask that you forgive us for the times where we've been selfish, where it's been all about pleasing ourselves and gratifying our own desires, rather than humbly serving and loving other people. Won't you forgive us? And Father, we realize we can't do this in our own strength. We, we can't overcome our selfish desires that just seem to be too ingrained in our heart. And Father, so we pray that you would give us a new heart by your love. By your spirit, pour your love into us and transform us from the inside out. We don't just want to have the appearance of being nice. Father, we want to be new. We need to be new. We need your love. Won't you pour your love into us and transform us? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.